Good afternoon, folks. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation. We minister in this area. Our building is at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Clapton Barton Road. Once you come to the police station, go up the hill there opposite the police station and you will come to Thornwood Primary School. We're next door at 2 Thornwood Terrace at the crossroads there and we would give you a warm and sincere welcome to come along to any of our services. We meet on the Lord's Day that Sunday, the first day of the week, despite what your calendars might say. Monday is not the first day of the week. Sunday is, because that's the day when Jesus Christ rose victorious over the grave. And we meet on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. And we also meet at the early evening at 6 p.m. And we have a, a midweek meeting where we meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. And we would extend a warm welcome to you to come along. It may be that you're not familiar with a Christian place of worship, or maybe you've got out of the habit of going to a Christian place of worship. Well, whatever. We extend a warm and sincere welcome to you that you would make your way to us. We simply want to draw to your attention the most important message that mankind can hear. Now what is that message? Well, that message is not what the singer is talk, speaking about or singing on the other side. The singer is nothing but a soothsayer. He wants to calm your conscience, but he does not want you to face up to eternal realities. Well, the gospel, friends, does cause you to think on eternal realities. The gospel is the most important message that you can possibly hear because it speaks to us about a person and that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he is the second person of the Trinity. He is the only begotten Son of God. And He is from everlasting to everlasting. There never was a time when the Son of God was not. He is eternal. But in time, in time, He came into this world and He took upon Himself a human nature and he became just like us. Now that is absolutely remarkable when you consider the Son of God who is the creator of heaven and the earth, the sun and the moon 
and the stars. He is the great creator. But he became just like us. Now, why did he become just like us? That's a very important question. Why did the Son of God, why did he come down from heaven? Why did he veil his glory? Why did he take upon himself our form and our nature? Why did he live among us? Why then did he also suffer and die? Well, the gospel tells us, friends, the gospel tells us that mankind is lost and perishing. And Jesus Christ is the one who has come from heaven in order to save us. He came on a mercy mission. And this is wonderful news for mankind. And this is news that we need to hear and we need to apprehend and we need to understand and we need to embrace. We need to embrace this person who is offered to us in the gospel because without Christ there is no hope for us. Why is that? Why is that the case? Well, it is that case because man <coughs> who originally was created perfect the Bible tells us and you can find this in the word of God the Bible tells us God created man male and female after his own image in knowledge righteousness and holiness and when God created our first parents Adam and Eve he created them perfect they were just like their creator they were holy they were pure they were undefiled and they had a wonderful and glorious relationship with their creator God but something happened something happened that changed that relationship what was it well put it very simply Adam and Eve sinned God had given them a very clear and simple commandment they were put into the Garden of Eden paradise God had created this garden for Adam and all he had to do was to look after that garden tend to it and look after it and he was given a very clear command that he could eat from all the trees in the garden except one there was one tree the fruit of which he was not allowed to eat but the evil one came and he tempted Eve and she succumbed to temptation and she saw that the tree was good and the fruit was good to look at and she took it and she ate it and she gave some to her husband 
and he ate it also. Now, we might think, as we hear about that incident, well, that's not really a big deal. It's not really a problem. But I beg to differ. It was a great problem because they had rebelled and they had sided with God's enemy, the evil one. They had committed high treason. And that's a terrible crime. Even today in our own land, that is a terrible crime. But to commit high treason against their creator, their God, their one who had provided everything for them was indeed a terrible deed. Well, ever since that time, their relationship with God changed. No longer had they got fellowship and communion with their Creator God. There was a great barrier. Sin was the barrier. And this caused a great disruption between the relationship between God and His creatures. Now, this has reference to ourselves because we've all come from Adam and Eve. It can be scientifically proved that the whole of the human race has come from one pair, Adam and Eve. And when they sinned, they fell. And they had a sinful nature which they passed on to their posterity. All of us, we are conceived in iniquity. We come out of the womb. We are sinners. And before long, we shall practice what's in our hearts, what is manifested upon our natures. And therefore, we have a real problem because our relationship with God is not what it should be. And what's more, it never will be if it's left to ourselves. Because mankind now, we hate God and we run away from God and we want nothing to do with God. But God has done something. God has not left us to perish. He has done something. What has He done, you may ask? Well, He has sent forth His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to obey the law of God that man cannot obey, and also to pay that penalty for that law that was broken by mankind. You see, Jesus Christ is our representative. He is our substitute. He's the one who came and lived a perfect life. And then at the end of his life, he was able to offer up a perfect sacrifice. A sacrifice that 
met, satisfied the just demands of God's most holy and inflexible law. And through what Jesus Christ has done, we are able therefore today to tell you to put your faith and your hope upon this person. You see, he came on a mercy mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are lost by nature. We might not like to think this, but as far as the Bible is concerned, we are ones who have sinned and who have come short of the glory of God. And we need to be saved. And we cannot save ourselves. In fact, we don't have the inclination. We don't have the desire. And we don't have the will. We don't have the power. And left to ourselves, we would perish. We would perish eternally. But God, who is rich in mercy, has done something for us. What is that? Well, He has sent forth His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This one fulfilled the law of God, and this one also took upon Himself the punishment that was rightly due to mankind for breaking God's law. You see, you must understand, God cannot simply overlook sin. He cannot. It is impossible. God is God, and He is holy, and He must deal with sin. He cannot sweep it under the carpet. He cannot ignore it. He must deal with it. But he's found a way in which he can deal with it. A way that satisfies his justice, his grace, his mercy, and his love. And that way is found in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, friends, we want to come out this afternoon in order to bring this to your attention because this is the most important message that you can possibly consider. Because whether you like it or not, one day you'll pass into eternity. We're all mortal. Yes, you can live your life at this moment in time, and you can live it successfully to a certain extent, without any reference to God and you can fill your life with entertainment with money with pleasure with work with various hobbies and engagements but the day will come when you will stand before God in His Son the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore, friends, that's why we would seek to tell you about this, that you might prepare yourself for that day. Because 
if you're found on that day with your sins, or to put it another way, without a Savior, then you will be condemned. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Christians at Corinth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And the Apostle Paul goes on, therefore, in the next verse, to tell them why he went around seeking to evangelize, seeking to tell people about the good news of the gospel, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why he went around all the known world that day, preaching the everlasting gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ, that they might put their faith and their hope upon him. And this is what we seek to do also today. The Apostle Paul and all the other apostles were faithful to their commission. But, like all mankind, they passed on into eternity. But the commission has fallen to the modern-day Christians who follow in the footsteps of the apostles. And in some sense, we have taken up that commission and we go out into the highways and the byways and to bring this message to everyone. Why do we bring it to everyone? Well, because it is of universal importance. It's for every one of us. Why is it for everyone? Well, it's for everyone because we've all sinned. The Bible tells us, and you can read this in your own Bibles, look it up in Revelation chapter 3, uh, I should say Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. What does it say? For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, friends, this message is applicable to us all, whether we be young or old, whether we be male or female, whether we be highly educated or whether we be not highly educated, whether we be rich or poor, and it matters not about the color of our skin, and it matters not what language we speak. We've all come from Adam, and we've all sinned, and therefore we all need a Savior. If ever we're going to get to heaven to be in glory, we need a Savior. And I tell you, friends, that Savior is none other than Jesus Christ. If you're following any other person, if you're hoping to be in heaven without Christ, you will wake up one day 
and you will be bitterly disappointed. You'll wake up in a lost eternity. You must have Christ. What does the Bible say? Again, you'll find this in 1 Timothy. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is one go-between. There is one mediator between God and men. And that one is the man Christ Jesus. And therefore we say it sincerely, lovingly to all who will hear. If you're following any other religion, if you're having your hope set upon any other person, then you will be disappointed. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's the words of the Son of God. These are the words of him who came down from heaven. He came down on a mercy mission. And that mission was to save sinners. Why? Because they cannot save themselves. It is impossible for them. And this is a salvation that has been orchestrated by God himself. And therefore we are to realize that it comes with the approval of heaven. This is God's answer to mankind's greatest predicament. Now indeed, what is our great predicament? There are many problems in this world today, but they are nothing in comparison with this problem. And how can we define this problem? This problem is quite clearly that man is estranged or separated from God. The relationship that he should have, he does not have. And he cannot restore that relationship by religion or by good works, by charitable works, by living a moral life or whatever. The only way that this relationship can be restored is through the bridge himself, Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So what hope have you got for eternity, friends? It's something to consider. None of us wants to be morbid. We're not here as undertakers. We're here as Christians. We simply want to pass on the good news of the Christian gospel to you this afternoon. But we want to ask you a question. Where do you stand? How will you fare from that day when eternity comes? How will you stand?
when you're taken into eternity, when you pass into eternity, how will it feel for you on that day? Well, friends, I tell you sincerely that on that day you will want a Savior. But it'll be too late to want Him then. Today is the day of grace. Today is the time when you are to seek the Lord whilst He may be found. Here's a verse from one of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, and chapter 55, and verses 6 and 7. You'll find it in your Bibles in the Old Testament. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There's a wonderful incentive to us. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. In one real way, friends, today, he is being proclaimed to you. His word is before you. You are being exhorted to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And therefore, maybe today, this has been the closest you've ever been to heeding the word of God and to the Lord himself. The Lord is near, maybe even today, what does that verse teach us then? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Today is a day when he may be found. We are proclaiming him to you. When was the last time did anyone tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? When did anyone speak to you about the Son of God? In that sense, therefore, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Because there'll come a time and a day when people will want the Lord, but he'll not be found. This, friends, this is the day of grace. This is the time to call upon him. Another verse we want to quote to you. This time from Second Corinthians. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, friends, here's an opportunity to call upon him. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be reconciled to God? What must I do? You are to call upon him. Do you remember uh, an incident in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 17, I believe, when Paul and Silas were in prison. Why were they in prison? Well, they were in prison because they were preaching the gospel. That was their only crime. And they were put in this prison, and the jailer who, had in who was in charge of the prisoners was given a clear command Lock them up securely. Put them into the very center of the prison. We don't want them to escape. What happened? 
Well, at midnight, we're told, they were singing psalms. Yes, prisoners, falsely put in prison, yet these Christians were singing psalms. And about midnight, a great earthquake came along. And as a result, supernaturally, the prison doors and the gates were all opened. And when the prison officer saw this, he began to panic because he thought when the doors were open that the prisoners would have escaped. And if they had escaped, it would cost him his life because he would be held responsible. And when Paul said to him, Do thyself no harm, he says, Do thyself no harm, we're all here. None of us have run away. And therefore, the prison officer, guard, began to say to himself, there's something unusual about these individuals. Because most individuals, if the prison doors were opened, they would run away. They would seek to escape, but not them. And therefore, the prison guard came in, and he went before Paul and Silas, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a good question to ask ourselves. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do you think the Apostle Paul said? Did he tell him, well, you must go to church or you must go to the synagogue or you must give money to a good cause or you must be charitable or you must obey the commandments? No. <coughs> the Apostle Paul said, Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You and your household. And that's what happened. At midnight, the man called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed upon the Son of God and he was baptized that evening. He became a Christian. That's what happened. He took his eyes off himself. There was nothing he could do. What could he possibly do to save himself? Nothing. He was told to believe. And that's what is required of us today. We are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We're under the wrath and condemnation of God. But he holds out mercy to us. And that mercy is to be found only in Jesus Christ, his Son. And therefore, you're asking that question today. What must I do to be saved? You must call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're calling upon a good name. What does a name mean? Well, let's put it in modern terms. You want to do something to your house and you're looking for a good contractor, or a joiner, or a plumber, and you want to find someone who's got a good name, or a good reputation. Well, friends, when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are calling upon one who has a perfect reputation, who has a, a perfect name. He is the only begotten Son of God. And He's the one who has come down from heaven. And He's come down on a mercy mission. That's 
why he came and therefore to call upon him is really just to call upon him for what he wants to happen. He is to be known as the Savior. That's his great role. He could easily have come to this world as a judge or as a destroyer. But instead he came as a Savior. What a wonderful hope, therefore, we have. And therefore, friends, you are to call upon this glorious person. You know, the God of the Bible is so different from the gods of other religions. You study the, the other religions of this world. And they, are they not angry and wrathful and capricious? Is that not true of them? Whereas the God of the Bible, what is said of him? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. What a wonderful encouragement, therefore, to the sinners of Partick and to the sinners of Glasgow and to the sinners of Scotland and to all the sinners of the United Kingdom who is a God like unto the God of the Bible that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. No, friends, because he poured out his anger upon his son. He was punished in our room and in our place. And he is one who delights in mercy. Now this may well be news to some people. You may have very hard views upon God. Well, we must take our views and our opinions from the Word of God. And this is telling us here clearly. He delighteth in mercy. The Lord loves to show mercy. But that mercy is only shown in and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of Christ, our God is a consuming fire. But in Christ, he delights in mercy. That's a great encouragement, is it not? Call therefore upon him. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name forever shall endure, last like the sun it shall. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Isn't that glorious? You know, today, there are many, many people and many, many nations that are against King Jesus. And maybe there are people here this afternoon who are listening and they're rebellious and they're against King Jesus. One day, friend, you'll bow before him. 
You'll either do it by grace or you will be compelled. We hope and we trust that it will be by grace that you will hear the gospel message and that God will make the gospel message effectual unto you and that you will call upon him while he is near. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing with a local congregation and we tend to come out once a week to do some open air work. We're going to take a short break in order to recharge our batteries but we do trust that the Lord will bless his word to you this afternoon. Hello again, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing a local congregation we meet at 2 Farnwood Terrace Upton Barton Road and you'll come to Farnwood I should say you'll come to the police station first and then you'll meet if you go up the hill opposite the police station you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and we're next door at the crossroads there to Thornwood Terrace we meet on the Lord's Day Sunday at 11am and we also meet in the early evening at 6pm and we would extend a warm welcome to you to come along to these services we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 and again we would extend a warm welcome to you come along to these services that are open to the public glad that you're able to come with this afternoon as we have our open air witness at Park in the west end of Glasgow we don't have our spot because of a but nevertheless we are seeking to bring God's word to you regardless and we are thankful indeed for this love that God has given to us as the great creator he's the one who made heaven and earth and he is the one who controls all the elements and the weather all of these things are under his control he is the Lord and we are delighted to have health and strength that we might be able to come out and to bring to you something of the Christian gospel this afternoon I want to ask you a question how is your heart this afternoon how is your heart well Let's be clear about this. We're not talking about the organ that is within your body called the, the heart. That organ that pumps the blood around your body. We're talking about the heart as the Bible just defines the heart. And the heart is the very center of man the heart is 
yourself. It is what makes you tick. It is what defines you. That's the biblical definition of the heart. Or certainly it recognizes that we have an organ, a physical organ that is a heart. But as far as the Bible is concerned, man's heart is the very center of man himself. It's the heart that reveals the kind of people that we are. Let me give you some kind of illustration. We're going to go to God's Word. <coughs> We're going to look at Luke's Gospel. Or Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. And here we have an incident when Jesus was confronted by his religious enemies. And in Matthew chapter 15, at verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees spoke, and they said to Jesus, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands, when they eat bread. Now here's a very, very petty matter that was brought up by the enemies of Jesus. And they found fault with his disciples. What was the particular fault? Well, they noticed that the disciples, when they were eating, they didn't necessarily wash their hands. And this was a tradition. This was a, a man-made rule laid down by the religious people of the day that before you would eat, regardless, you had to wash your hands. Now Jesus confronted them and basically he told them that to eat your food with your hands unwashed is not a sin, it's not a crime. Because ultimately, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It is what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. And Jesus goes on to explain this to his own disciples. And what Jesus says, reading further on in the same chapter, Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. In other words, when you eat your food, it goes, in, goes into your mouth, goes to your stomach, and then it goes out of the body. It doesn't defile you. But what does defile you is what will come out of the heart. He goes on. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. We'll stop there for a moment. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. And from these evil thoughts 
evil words and evil actions will manifest themselves. And therefore, that is why I asked you this afternoon, how is your heart? How is it? Because Christianity is concerned about the inward parts. And Christianity addresses the inward man. Because this is where our problem lies. The problem is our hearts are defiled. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, might be offended by that. But that's the reality. That's the truth. That's why we have, have all these problems in our world today. That's why there are rapes, murders, fightings. That's why there are stealing, cheating, fornication, adultery, gossiping, lying, cheating, stealing. That's why we have wars and rumors of wars. That's why this world is, is in so much chaos. It is because the heart of every single individual in the world is not as it should be. The heart, everyone's heart, is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And this is our problem. We really don't know our hearts. We don't really know what we're like. We have an idea. We have an apprehension an understanding, but it's not a biblical understanding of the true condition of our hearts. Because Jesus goes on to say, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. All of these things come from the heart. And all of these things are manifest in our own society today and in every society since the beginning of man, since he fell. Now, we have a real, real problem. It's the heart. That's what's wrong. The very core, the very center of man is wrong. It's defiled. It's not what it should be. It's not what it was when Adam and Eve were created perfectly. They fell. And sin affected them. Sin affected everything about them. Quite happy the way it is, sir. Thank you. I, I can actually turn it up, actually. I love it. Yes, I love it when I'm preaching. This is what makes up preacher. He loves to preach. He loves to have an audience. He loves to tell the truth as it is in Jesus. And it's wonderful to be able to come out on this, the day that God has made, this day that God has given to us. I notice no one ever tells the, the busker to turn, turn it down. He's louder than me. No one ever tells him to turn it down. 
Always the preacher. I wonder why. I'll tell you why. They don't like what the preacher's telling them. Their conscience is pricked. They don't like to be confronted with the truth as it is in Jesus. They want more people like the busker. They want soothsayers. They want people that will lull them to sleep. They don't want people to prick their conscience and to make them aware that there's a God in heaven who will demand an account. We're all going to stand before Almighty God and we're going to give an account. And we're going to give an account of the things that we have thought, the things that we have said, and our very actions. All of these things are going to be revealed one day. The Bible talks about the books being opened. God has a book. He is recording everything. One day, that book, your book, shall be opened. There was a very popular program on the television. I think it was Eamon Andrews. He was the one who was the principal presenter. What did he got? This is your life. That's what he used to present. And this person was suddenly caught unawares. And he would come on with this book. And he would surprise this person. He was doing some action or he was working somewhere. And Eamon Andrews would come along one day. And by surprise, here he was. He would confront this person. And he would take him aside and say, Look, sir. Here we are. This is your life. And they made a TV program about it. And it was very good. The people were able to find out about this individual. About his, how his childhood, his early life. And how his career developed. And all the things. Whether they were happy things or sad things. They were all recorded. And at the end of the program, what happened? Eamon Andrews handed over this book. Sir, this is your life. Well, this is going to happen to every one of us. And we're, we might be nobodies. We might be absolutely nobodies. We've not, nothing special about in our lives. But one day God is going to hand you a book. And what is that book? This is your life, sir. This is your life, madam. This is how you've lived, madam. Have you lived according to my law? And have you embraced the Savior as he has freely offered to us in the gospel? That will be the ultimate question. Have you availed yourself of the Son of God? That's the thing that matters. This is your life. And indeed it's a very short life, is it not? Oh, we might by the grace of God, we might get three score and ten, seventy years. We might get eighty years. We might get longer. Many people get a lot less. None of us can guarantee one day after the next. But, whatever. Supposing you would live for two hundred years. What is two hundred years compared to eternity? 
we cannot calculate eternity. Eternity goes on and on and on. Whereas our lives here have a beginning and they have an end. And at the end we will be rushed into eternity that has no end. And where will you spend eternity then? Where will your God save you on that day? The only ones who will be saved on that day are those who have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. No wonder we come out with this message. Do you think we should keep this message to ourselves? Why? Why? Why should we keep it to ourselves? Surely it's the highest hate crime to keep the gospel away from people. That's what you'd love. That's what the evil one loves. Oh, don't tell them this, the evil one would say. Why does he say that? He says that because he knows. Yes, he knows. He knows the gospel and he knows his time is short and he knows that he will perish. His day will come. He will be thrown into the lake of fire. That will happen. And do you know what? The evil one, he wants to bring as many of the human race as he can into that lake of fire with him. Well, we're out to tell you, friends, there's another way. There's a way to escape. There's a way to be saved. There's a way to be right with God. What is that way? That way is Jesus Christ. He says himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We simply want to present him to you this, this, more, this afternoon. We cannot save you. We cannot save ourselves. Our church, our congregation, our denomination cannot save. But Jesus can. And that's why we route, friends, that you might acquaint yourselves with him while it's still the day of grace. And is it not marvelous that God whom we have offended by our behavior, yes, we're rebels. We're the ones who have sinned against him. We're the ones who will not have him. Yet he has devised a way whereby we can be reconciled to God. He has taken the initiative. He has done something. Salvation is of God. What does salvation mean? We must be careful that we don't use words that people maybe don't fully understand. It's not a, it's not a word that we hear in everyday uh, conversation. Salvation simply means to be free, to be delivered, to be emancipated. That's what it means. And to be truly free, friends, is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you have him, you are free from the guilt of sin. You're free from the guilt of sin. 
and you're free from its power. And one day you shall be free from the very presence of sin itself. That's the salvation that Jesus offers. That's the salvation that He has secured for His people. What must I do therefore to receive this? You must come to Him. You must call upon Him and Him alone. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's what He has done. And we simply want to pres present this person to you. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These all come from the heart. But when you're saved, friends, yes, when you're saved, your heart is transformed. You have a new nature, new principles, new ideals, new goals, new life. That's what Christianity is. It's new life. The old nature is crucified. Oh, it can still manifest itself. We're not going to deny that. But there's a new nature. And the new nature will overcome the old nature. The Christian is new. He is one who knows new life. Yes, this is what I was looking for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are you a Christian this afternoon? Do you claim to be a Christian? Do you know this, friends? Do you know this new life? This resurrection life? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what Christ brings. And no wonder... We want to declare them to you this afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to take a short break, but we pray that the Lord would bless His Word to you this afternoon. Well, good afternoon again. We're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're a local congregation. This is our home turf. We meet at 2 Thornwood Terrace. That is just up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill there and you will then come to Thornwood Primary School and we're next door 
at the crossroads. We extend a warm invitation to you to come along any Lord's Day, Sunday at 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. And we also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And again, a warm welcome to you all. Been here now for a wee while, but we're going to draw our time to a close. But before we do so, we want to draw your attention to what Christianity is all about. To some people, friends, religion is rules and regulations. Now, there are rules and regulations in Christianity. But principally, Christianity is about a person. Who is that person? The person is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one who came from heaven. Yes, think on that for a moment. You may have heard that on other occasions. And very often the things that we're familiar with do not seem to penetrate into us as they should. We don't really give them much consideration. But here we are talking about the Son of God. What do we know about the Son of God? Well, there are many things that we know about Him. The Bible's full of the Son of God. Indeed, it would be true to say that the Old Testament and the New Testament testify of Him. The 39 books in the Old Testament and the 27 books in the New Testament have a common theme. And that theme is Jesus Christ. Let me read one or two verses from Paul's letter to the Colossians regarding Christ. Who is the image of the invisible God? Do you want to know what God is like? Study the person and the work of Christ. Because there, friends, we are told, He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He is the firstborn of that new creation, that new world order that God is making in and through the Lord Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. There are a number of things in these verses that will astound us. And indeed, when we come to study the person and the work of the Lord Jesus, we have to realize that we come before him with finite minds and our understanding cannot grasp everything about this glorious person. He is the creator. Now, creation is the work of the triune God. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all ones who are involved in creation. And therefore it's true to say that Jesus Christ is the Creator. All the things that are in heaven that none of us have seen, all the things on earth, He is the Great One who has created everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, everything. The universe, the planets, all life, whether that be insect life, fish life, fowl life, animal life, or human life, or spiritual life. He is the great life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things were created by him and for him. They all belong to him and to him alone. Now, this is the one who came down from heaven. The great Son of God, the wonderful, glorious Creator. He came down. He became just like us. He took upon Himself a human nature a true body and a reasonable soul and he lived upon this earth for a predetermined period of time and he lived a perfect life can you imagine that none of us are perfect none whatsoever but Jesus Christ is the one who did not sin in his thought life or in his language in his speech or indeed in his actions, completely and utterly sinless, pure, even as enemies had to acknowledge, we find no fault in this man. Now that's important because in order to accomplish his mission, he would have to offer up himself as a perfect sacrifice. And if he had sinned, he could not do that. His sacrifice would not be acceptable. But he lived a perfect life. And at the time, appointed by God, he offered up himself that once for all perfect sacrifice in order that mankind might be set free. And that's what happened. That's why he came. You know, we were speaking to someone earlier and they said something like this, well, why are you here? Because everybody knows about Jesus. Well, there's a lot of truth in what the person said. People do know something about Jesus. They know about his name. And very often, they take his name in vain. But they really don't know why he has come down from heaven. They don't know that he's come on a mission. They don't know that he's come to seek and to save that which was lost. They don't know that. But we want to tell you that there was a purpose that the Son of God left heaven in order 
that he would seek and save that which was lost, and that he would purchase a salvation that would affect and benefit the whole of mankind. You see, friends, by nature we're lost. By nature we're perishing. But Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You've got to put your faith and your hope and your trust upon Him. How can I do that? You must call upon Him. You must call upon Him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a wonderful, glorious promise. What an encouragement to any one of us. There may well be that as we're listening this afternoon, we're aware of our sins. We're aware of our shortcomings. And we might well be thinking to ourselves, well, Christianity is only for good people. It's only for people who go to church. It's only for do-gooders. And you may well think, well, Christianity and Christ, He doesn't care about me. Nothing could be further from the truth, friends. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, that you might come to Him. You will find that He's a Savior who is willing to receive. He will receive all that will come to Him. He will not turn any away. You can read the Bible from cover to cover. And when you come to the New Testament, you will see how Jesus dealt with various people. And any person who truly came seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, he was received, or she was received. He would turn none away. That's our great hope. Why? Why is he like this? Because he is the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And maybe we're feeling this afternoon we're lost and we don't have any hope. Well, you don't have any hope in of yourself. That's true. But come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon Him. Come to Him. Have your sins forgiven. Be reconciled to God through Him. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. Come therefore. The Lord Jesus says Himself, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and ye shall find life unto your souls. There's a glorious invitation from Jesus himself. Come unto me. Come. Come as you are. Come with all your sins. Come. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what he says to us. Come. 
and He will receive. He is merciful. He is gracious. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Maybe this afternoon it can be said of you that Christ is in some way knocking at your heart door and He has been knocking for some time. Behold, I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. There's another invitation. Invitation to us all. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who displayed His love for mankind when He went to the cross and cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken because He was being treated like a sinner. And this is encouraging to us because if Jesus Christ has been punished in a Roman place, then God will not demand payment twice for our sins. God is just. He's a just God. And if Jesus Christ has died in a Roman place, then we cannot be condemned again. And that's why we tell you, friends, leave your old life behind, repent, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon Him, and ye shall be saved. Well, it's good, been good to be with you this afternoon. It's been a lovely November afternoon. The sun has been shining. And we do hope and pray that the Lord will follow with His blessing upon the preaching of thy word, His word.